0: How many of you this morning would classify yourself as a reader? Like you love to read. And if that's you, maybe you're someone who has read many of the classics. And so you love to read things that have been around for quite a while. I would imagine that if you are someone that does love to read the classics, then you have read this book by Laura Numeroff called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. Okay, And for some of you, I'm introducing you to new literature. This is um, written in such that there is one sentence on every single page. The picture is more important than the word, so to speak. And so some of you are like, that is right up my alley. But the way this book is written, it starts with a mouse. And it says, if you were to give a mouse a cookie, then on the next page, well, then he's going to want some milk to go with it. And so you're going to give him the glass of milk. And if you do that, then he's going to ask for a straw. And when he's done drinking the milk, he's going to ask for a napkin. When he's done with that, then he is going to ask to go to um, the restroom to look at a mirror to make sure he doesn't have a milk mustache. And then when he's looking in the mirror, he's going to see that he needs some scissors for a hair trim. And it continues all the way through the rest of the book that one thing happens after another simply because of the event that happens beforehand. And so then you get towards the end and the mouse is looking at the refrigerator And and as he is looking at the refrigerator, he realizes that he's thirsty. And so he asks for a glass of milk. And the last page basically says, and if he has that glass of milk, you can be sure that he is going to ask for a cookie. And the whole book puts you right back at the very beginning. Through this series of events, you're back right where you started. And if you're like, that sounds like the kind of book that I would enjoy. She is also written, if you give a moose a muffin. Okay, You can also read, if you give a pig a pancake, or if you give a dog a donut. She's also written, if you give a cat a cupcake, we don't own that one, we don't need it, don't go buy it for us, that's fine. She also got off of the idea of this you know, alliteration, so she went back to the mouse, and if you give the mouse a brownie, or if you give, or take the mouse to school, if you take the mouse to the movies, or if you um, give a pig a party, all of those have this same idea, that wherever you start... You come all the way around and you end at that exact same place. And as we begin the sermon today, could I ask you, have you ever had those moments where you ended up right back where you started? Like sometimes that can be a good thing. I was thinking about how I used to run the half mile or the mile in track. And some of you maybe run the two mile. The finish line is right where the starting line is. So in that sake, it is good to be at that same spot. You are now done with the race. You started, you know, you finished where you started. But there are some times that it can be kind of frustrating just to be back where you once were. For instance, if you're in a maze and you're trying to find your way out and you keep hitting these spots or you come back to this spot and you're like, I know that I have been here before. How do I get out of this place? Or maybe you're trying something, whether that's at home or in your, in your job, and you're trying it and it doesn't work and you're back at square one again. You're here again trying to figure this out. Sometimes it's not even within a job, but maybe you've had a job and then you've tried to go to another one and another one, but for some reason you're now back where you started and sometimes that can be frustrating as well or maybe it's simply just the fact that you lost something and so you have retraced all of your steps throughout the day and you haven't found it and so again you're back at the beginning trying to figure out where is this thing that you have lost and we have those moments where we're back at the beginning just like the mouse with the cookie. Last week, we began this series based on the mission statement of South Rock Christian Church. And I bet if I were to ask you, hey, what is our mission statement? A lot of you today could quote that as opposed to maybe this time last week. Those six simple words that simply say helping people find and follow Jesus. And so we're talking about finding Jesus. And that is starting this relationship that then he is the one that transforms us. And every single one of us is lost Every single one of us is separated from Christ because of sin until that point in our lives that we choose him. And maybe we're looking for him, maybe we're not. Maybe we're placing barriers that are intellectual or emotional. I know this or I don't feel this between us and him. Or maybe we're pursuing him as the answer more than anything. But one of our primary purposes at South Rock is to help people find Jesus. People who are lost need to find him. And from Scripture, we know that God came and searched for us. In Luke chapter 15, we see story after story after story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son, where the shepherd goes to look for the sheep, where the woman looks all over her house for the coin, where the father is patiently waiting for the son to return. And at the end of all of those stories that Jesus tells, we see that there is great rejoicing because that which is lost is now found. Once someone finds Jesus it then becomes all about following him. In fact, that's what Jesus called his disciples when he said to them, come and follow me. And we talked about how following Jesus, it's not a check the box. It's not a one-time thing, but this continual lifelong journey. In fact, you and I, we have to decide every single day, are we going to continue to follow him? And it's not just every day. There are moments within the day that we're going to decide, am I going to choose to do what God wants me to, or am I going to do my own thing? But as you and I follow him, he transforms us. We learn from him. In our lives, we actually begin to look like him. And so today I want to look at three areas that can closely be tied together in which we follow Jesus. And the first is this. We need to give, our, we need to give Jesus our past. We need to give Jesus our past. One of the reasons that people sometimes struggle to give their lives to Jesus is because of their past. What I mean by that is they're not proud of the choices that they've made or they don't feel like they're worthy. The baggage that maybe we're bringing into this relationship with Jesus is more than we want to admit. And I want you to think about those, man, if you only knew kind of conversations that maybe you've had when you're building a friendship with someone or maybe you're getting really close to a significant other, and there can be that question in your mind of, well, how much do I share? Because I don't want to scare them off, but at the same time, I don't want to hide things from them as well. And sometimes we bring those types of feelings and thoughts into our relationship with Jesus. Even though logically we know he knows everything, but we still bring those into the relationship. And if that's the spot that you're at right now, like you are really feeling burdened, by your past and that can mean that it's causing you not to choose Jesus or it can also mean that I've chosen Jesus but like it is weighing you down right now even as you sit there then I want you to hear this every single person has a past every single person there are things that we have done that cause us regret or embarrassment and even shame we've all said foolish things We've done reckless things based off of decisions, ones that sometimes hurt us, hurt other people that we even care about. All of us have done that. But as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 last week, we were told, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. When we choose Jesus, he takes all of our unrighteousness, all of our self-righteousness, and he covers them with his righteousness. And you and I, we are not who we once were. And that's part of what happens as we follow Christ. Jason Allen wrote these words, Christianity does not change your past, but it does change what you do with it and what it does to you. Here's what I mean. You see, the past, it's not the driving force of who you are anymore. Christ is. Your identity is now found in him and who he sees you as and who he is making you into. And so regardless of how checkered of a past you may have, Christ pursues you and he loves you. And then he uses you. And I want you to understand the weight of this next statement if this is a struggle for you right now. The idea that Christ loves you, but you will never be more than a second-class Christian because of your past, nothing is farther from the truth than that. Like Jesus does not reluctantly accept you in spite of your sins. Instead, he is filled with such great joy that you are found and that you have found him. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And that's not just for some people who look like they have it all together. It's not for people whose past may be better than yours. It is for everyone. John Stott said, God frees us from, from our bankruptcy by paying our debts on Christ's cross. But more than that, he has not only canceled our debt, but he has destroyed the document on which it was recorded. You see, we need to give Jesus our past and let him work that. And I was thinking about people with the past. I'd like to bring up a man named Paul who was chosen to be one of the apostles of Jesus. He wrote 13 letters that we have in the New Testament. He went on three major missionary journeys, and then a fourth one followed that um, to Rome. He mentored numerous men. He planted various churches. He won multitudes to faith in Christ, all because he chose to follow Jesus and give him his past. And it's not one that Paul could go, yeah, I look at my past and I see that's why he chose me. There are moments in the Bible that he writes down some of his qualities that he had, but it wasn't in a boastful way whatsoever. In fact, he says, look, I was a strong persecutor of the way. That was what it was referred to, anyone who followed Jesus, the way at the beginning. He took part in the stoning of Stephen, who was the first Christian martyr. We also see that his heart was full of nothing but hatred for anyone who spoke of this Jesus as being God. But then Jesus grabbed his heart and it was God's grace that fueled his life from that point on. Listen to what Paul wrote in first Timothy chapter one, verses 12 through 16. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, Even though I once was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. Because I had acted in ignorance and unbelief, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. See, Paul knew that God was going to use him in spite of his past, but he looked forward to serving God. He did not look back in guilt and shame and regret. So you and I, we too, must not forget about our past, but we must make sure not to be defined by it and not to dwell upon it. For you and I, we are no longer that person. Many of you maybe love or at least know the song Amazing Grace, which was written by John Newton. But maybe you don't know anything about the author of that song. You see, Newton had been a violent man who was majorly involved in the slave trade until Christ transformed his life. And he wrote the epitaph that is on his tombstone, which says this, John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and a libertine, a servant of slaves in West Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith that he had long labored to destroy. See, Newton's life was completely changed. And it was him that penned the words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, oh, but now, now I'm found. I was blind, but but now I see. He said, the Lord, he's promised good to me. My word, or his word, my hope secures. He will, my shield and my portion be as long as life endures. And then he says, hey, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. You see, Jesus takes our past and then he gives us a future beyond what we can ever imagine. And be reminded of this, if you think that you're too far broken, that Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter one, that God uses the weak things, the foolish things, the broken things of this world to show his power and his love. If we really wanna follow Jesus, we need to completely give him our past. Now, some of you might be sitting there right now going, And he said there are three points to this sermon, and we're only on number one. Like, are we ever going to get out of here? As the angels would say when they saw someone, do not be afraid, okay? The other two points are not nearly as long. But here's why we spent so much time on this idea of our past. Because if we're being completely open and honest, so many people allow their past to either keep them from Jesus, or we let it hold us back from becoming all that Jesus wants us to become because of feelings of worthlessness. And so if that's you, give Jesus your past, hear his truth of who you are, and then let him fully lead you into the life that he wants you to experience. So secondly, as we're following Jesus, we need to share our story. We need to share our story. What exactly do I mean by that? Well, I mean that we need to tell other people about what God has done in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You see, we are called to be prepared to tell people why it is that we believe in Christ. And I'll tell you that facts and apologetics and archaeology, all those things are great that sometimes help strengthen our own faith and and the faith of other people as well. But those are things that you have to learn. And sometimes it takes quite a while to learn some of those things. Now, it's totally worthwhile. I'm not telling you not to go down that path. But I also want to encourage you to think about your story, your personal story, because people will try to argue against facts and logic but they cannot argue against a changed life. So your story, what exactly does that look like? Well, why did you decide to follow Jesus? What kind of things opened your eyes and your heart to him? What truths made sense? Who did he use to show you love? And then once you chose him, what did he do in your life since that point? Your story oftentimes is focused on the past, the idea of here's the before and the after, but it doesn't just stop once we choose him because God is continually active all the time. He's constantly doing things in our lives. But how many times do we miss it because we're not looking? Story. I need to address one group of people for just a moment. Those of you who feel like you don't have a great conversion story. Like in working with teenagers, I've encountered so many students who feel like they don't have much of a story because, well, I grew up in the church and I chose to follow Jesus as I'd been taught. And now I'm choosing to live for him. But I didn't have this drastic life change moment or this inspiring story moment. And so does it even matter? Because I know that some of you sitting in here or watching online right now have that exact same story. Let me tell you two things really quickly. First, though you may not have that drastic life change in one moment, it doesn't mean that God's not doing that in your life over time. In fact, I would argue that that happens more often than just those huge moments that God works in our lives over time. But secondly, I don't want you to ever think that your story is not worth sharing. Your story speaks to the blessings that come When you follow God's ways, like think about this. Do I want my own kids for them to understand my love, to go off and make all sorts of bad decisions that bring pain and suffering to their life before they come to know that I love them? No way. Instead, I want them to experience my love. I want them to choose to live in that and then pass that on to their kids. And when our story is that my parents showed me the love of Jesus, And I chose that myself, and I passed that on. What a powerful story that is. And so don't ever let yourself feel like some, again, second-class Christian. Your story is important, and so share it. But as we're talking about this idea of sharing our story and how God works differently, yes, up to the point of us choosing Jesus, but then in all of our lives, He continues to work differently. We all have a unique story as well. Now, that statement, it sounds really nice, and it ultimately is really good, but it doesn't always make things enjoyable in the moment. And here's what I mean. In our congregation alone, let's just take the last three months, there have been stories of God doing miracles that bring people back who are on the cusp of death. And now they're fully healthy again. Like God did what we prayed for and we've rejoiced. But in those exact same three months, we've also had situations where the same amount of people were praying, but individuals who were close to so many people have passed away and God didn't answer the prayers the way that we wanted and it hurts. And it can cause our human minds to run wild and wonder why, to which often there aren't any answers. But if we take a step back, no matter the outcome of every single one of those circumstances, you can see God. You can see him working all the time and that he's continuing to work. You see his hands in the blessings of the moments that otherwise we might have taken for granted. You feel His presence in those moments of sorrow. Each day, He is the one to give us strength to enjoy the mercies that are new for that day, even in those mornings that we don't feel like enjoying them. Every story of ours may not turn out the exact way that we want it to in this temporary moment, but as Christians, we can be confident that they work out eternally. And therefore, we need to share our stories Stories that are different than someone else's because people need to see how God works in every way and in every circumstance. And so if you want to be transformed, we need to share our stories. In fact, it can be scary at first. If you ever sign up for Rooted, you've gone through it or you're going to come up at one of these times, in your Rooted groups, one of the rhythms of life is being able to share your story. But I'll tell you this, as you share your story, it becomes less frightening. And you you begin to to gain this boldness that now I'm ready to share it with someone else again. You know what? To follow Jesus and to let him transform you and I, we need to share our story. Which leads us to the last point. In following Jesus, we need to trust him with our future. We need to trust Jesus with our future. Jeremiah 29.11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 say, "'Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight.'" And we love the idea that God has got plans for us, that he wants to prosper us, that he will guide us. And all of those things are 100% true. Jesus is completely trustworthy to give our futures to. He's got us securely in his hands. But do you know the context of that Jeremiah 29 passage? that talks about, I've got plans for you to prosper you. What's happening is Jeremiah is speaking against false prophets who have come into Israel and basically said, hey, you guys don't need to worry about it. This exile that Babylon's got on us, it's not going to last very long. So just be ready to go back. And then Jeremiah comes in and says this in chapter 29, verse 10. He says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. I don't know if you put those pieces together, but God does have plans to prosper them, but it's not until those 70 years are done. This is part of the consequences of the choices that you've made. And I think that's important for us to know because we can trust God with our futures, but it doesn't always go the way that we have maybe dreamed when we were a little kid. Or maybe as we talked about before, it's important to know that God is always working. He'll continue to transform us in our futures as long as we trust him, as long as we follow wherever he leads. And as we do that, he's the one that can only meet the desires of our heart. And Paul, who had that crazy past and who has this amazing story, wrote these words in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, God will finish what he started in you until the day that we get to be together again. And so let's follow God completely with our past and our story and our future. And here is one great byproduct or one great result that happens when we do that. You see, as we trust God with those things, It'll become something that he uses to help others find Jesus. It's a little bit like the book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. But instead of us just coming back to the very beginning and we're starting all over with our journey, we come back and we're ready to walk alongside somebody else. You see, as you're following Jesus, you can help someone else find him, someone with a similar past or a similar story. Or someone who sees God living in you as you're trusting him with your future, even though you don't know what the next steps are. You're like, I know he's got this. That makes an impact on others. And then they choose to find him. So South Rock, let's follow God well. And let's let him use that to help other people find him. Will you guys pray with me? God, as we're looking at this topic and we are opening up your word and seeing your truths, I pray first and foremost for those in this room or those online who have never chosen you, who have created that barrier. I pray that those would get torn down and that those individuals would have a boldness to choose you, to find you and begin their journey with you. God, I want to pray for those who have chosen you. Man, the weight of their past, they're still being defined by that in their own minds. I pray that they would know with all of their hearts that they're a new creation and that weight would be lifted off of their shoulders. God, I pray for those who maybe don't know their story. I pray that you would help them to slow down and have their eyes open to that which you are working. God, give them just the strength to testify proudly about all you do. God, I want to pray for those maybe who are afraid of the future. God, help them to trust you. Help them to have the confidence that comes from Scripture to know that you've got them. And God, I pray that you would guide us as a church to help people find and follow you. It is in through the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. This morning, maybe it is time. It is time to choose him. There's no putting that off anymore. If that's a decision that you want to make today, I encourage you to head to one of the decision points or chat with Sam online. And the rest of us, we're going to be singing the song that points to God and how he's the one that transforms us. And he's been doing that for all time. So let's stand as we sing.